0: If you would, please, turn to Hebrews chapter 4. This will definitely not exhaust this passage, a passage I'm sure familiar to you and very rich to all of you in the congregation, but we will look at this uh, in light of coming together as a church body in the Lord's Supper this morning. Chapter 4, starting at verse 14, reading through 510. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. to help in time of need. For every high priest chosen from among men is appointed to act on behalf of men in relation to God to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. He can deal gently with the ignorant and the wayward since he himself is beset with weakness. Because of this, he is obligated to offer sacrifice For his own sins, just as he does for those of his people. And no one takes this honor for himself, but only when called by God, just as Aaron was. So also Christ did not exalt himself to be made a high priest, but was appointed by him who said to him, You are my son, today I have begotten you. As he says also in another place, you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him, being designated by God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Let's pray. What a priest Thou hast given to us, has appointed to us, O Heavenly Father. Thank Thee so much for Jesus. We ask, O Lord, that we would be enhanced by once again looking at this scripture concerning how He is our mediator, how He Himself has come, condescended, and has ascended and brought our lives even before the throne of grace. We thank thee for this, and we praise your name for all his work on our behalf. In Jesus' name, amen. How is your relationship With our high priest. How is your relationship with our high priest? In the book of Hebrews, we are confronted with the great and final high priest, Jesus the Christ. In Hebrews, Christ is presented as greater than any high priest in the Old Testament that to understand the superior status that Jesus has, even in relationship with the high priests of the Old Testament, it would be good for us to review just a few of those elements concerning the high priest in the Old Testament. As you recall, the high priest in the Old Testament had a unique and supreme prerogative which distinguished him from all other humans. Once a year, he went into the Holy of Holies to offer a sacrifice on the Day of Atonement for his sins and the sins of his people. In the Holy of Holies, his actions were in private, but he acted for all the people as the sacrifice was provided by God. In the Old Testament economy, the high priest was not immune from sin. Nevertheless, nevertheless, he was called by God as he represents the people before a holy and a perfect God who saves and also a God who judges. But even as he is chosen by God, he has solidarity with God's people As one among many. He who is taken from the people intercedes for the people. In the Old Testament, he fulfills his office by his own qualification as one who is compassed with infirmities. He is absolutely like the people that he is serving He knows the weakness of sin. Hence, to repeat, he offers a sacrifice for his own sins and the sins of the people. However, in the Old Testament economy, there is an interesting contrast that emerges that is important to think about. And to meditate upon, in a sense this is a sidebar, a quick sidebar this morning, but I think it's important for us to see. And that is this, that willful sin is not covered in the atonement. You want to note to contrast, even before and in, in our text today, in Hebrews 5.2, the contrast between ignorant and wayward sin, which corresponds with Leviticus 4.2 and Leviticus, Leviticus 5.15. Those type of sins are covered. But calculated wickedness, calculated wickedness, is not covered. Listen to Numbers 15.30. But the person who does anything with a high hand, whether he is a native or a sojourner, reviles or blasphemes the Lord, and that person shall be cut off among his people. Noting this contrast, it is also important to keep in mind that the Levitical priesthood, does not totally deal with sin. It cannot bring complete fellowship and perfection with God. How do we know that? <laughs> well, it's instituted in the aspect of the Levitical priesthood itself. Because in that Old Testament economy, there is this constant need of fresh offerings continually repeated and the day of atonement itself is celebrated one time a year each year so as we come into our text in hebrews chapter 4 verses 14 and 15 notice that the text mentions the glorious present position of Christ in verse 14 and then the author ministers to us by beginning with the loneliness into which Christ was thrust by his office verse 15 so verse, verse 15 captures the historical Christ under at least two points first Jesus is like all Other humans who are tempted. Secondly, he is completely unlike humans and those Old Testament high priests who in temptations do not remain without sin. You can also reference chapter 2 verse 18 on that. So in verses 14 and 15, as they are before you, we are confronted with our present heavenly exalted high priest who is the exact same person who was crucified in history on the cross as the one who during his life on earth was tempted as we are. Jesus learned our weaknesses, and yes, and yes, he knew that our own weaknesses were our own fault, yet his actions of weakness, of temptation, was perfectly, perfectly without sin. Christ's ministry and actions as our high priest derives itself from full acquaintance with the seriousness of the daily trials and temptations of the earthly journey. I ask you this morning, as you look at this text in your own life, do you trust and embrace his ministry to you each day. He knows you. He knows what you are going through. The author of Hebrews is stressing with particular urgency that Christ's temptation is like ours. Christ has an incredible incredible merciful ministry to each of you each of us do you know that ministry that Christ is giving to each of you every single day well you see you see it right <laughs> you're comprehending right jesus has put on our feelings along with our flesh, not only to show himself to be truly human, but to be taught, taught by that very experience how to pray and to help our miseries. And that not because as the Son of God he needed such instruction, but because only in this way we grasped the concern he has for our own situation in which we are in each day. This is an expression of love. Not just any kind of love, but divine love. Love that only our gracious God can give by pouring in into and securing a covenant people unto himself. Congregation. Congregation. He is pouring himself into your daily life. Do you truly know this? Do you truly live like that? So what temptations does Hebrews have in view with respect to our Savior? When you look at verses 7 through 9 of chapter 5, it seems clear that he's pointing at least to the Garden of Gethsemane. As Christ is confronted with the terror of death, he learned obedience through suffering. The path in Gethsemane is mapped out from his own words. Is Christ going to surrender to God's will, his father's will, or revolt against it? In Gethsemane, we cannot miss, miss that he was touched by sorrow. That he endured bitter agony, that he entered into prayer with tears of anguish and grief, that sweat flowed from his body like blood but it would be a mistake to think that the author of Hebrews is focusing totally on Gethsemane. In verses 7 through 9, he certainly has the whole passion narrative in view all the way to the cross. In all of this, Jesus embraced his Father's will to go to the cross. Indeed, the suffering Christ Learned obedience. Please do not miss this element. As the author of Hebrews places the suffering Christ before each of us in his church, he is doing so in order to focus our attention upon the unique, Once and for all suffering laid by the Father upon the Son in the discharge of his office. When the Son suffers, this is only because the Father wills it. Thus, these few words are imperative to grasp in verse 8 of chapter 5. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. These words embrace the entire path of Christ upon this earth. These words are affirming that Jesus, by suffering, accepted the divine will as his own will honored God as his father and entrusted himself to his father, confident that the father will give him his office and dignity. And as we saw last week, last Lord's Day, in Christ's temptation by Satan in the wilderness, Christ's obedience is tied to where? The Scripture. The scripture. Likewise here in 5 8, the phrase learned obedience implies that his path to the cross is mapped out by Scripture. You may want to notice Christ's own words about that truth from Luke twenty-four, forty-five through forty seven. Then he Christ opened their minds he's talking here to the disciples to understand the scriptures and he and said to them thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning with Jerusalem That appearance in Luke 24 is a post-resurrection appearance to his disciples. And it is clear concerning the witness to the conscious demonstration of obedience which is the mark of God's Son which Jesus renders without restriction in full clarity and the freedom of himself with no resistance to his Father's will. Indeed, Christ went through the path of suffering and death because Scripture, Scripture, and in it, his Father pointed him in this direction for the sake of his office, for the sake of each of us in the church, which he in his office will glorify. Glorify all of you. So the phrase that is before you in the text, learned obedience, rolls out any other teaching about this phrase. This is particularly true of biblical commentators who think that the phrase is a reference to a maturing moral growth that Jesus had to go through towards the fulfillment of his task to die on the cross. Such an explanation is multiple among the liberals, for they see in this that Jesus in this case had to go through a kind of growth of moral maturity in his life such commentators overlook the fact that in biblical greek the term learning takes place in handling of scripture as it is revealed as it is the revealed will of god they fail to see that throughout the gospel narratives that jesus's awareness of himself in his mission is shaped by the scriptures we tried to drive that point home last Lord's Day, if you recall. Hebrews presents a rich, the rich depth of Jesus' obedience in the same light. His life is appointed by his Father according to the Scriptures. Nevertheless, it is true that in Hebrews, the new thing is not In the last analysis, the learning of obedience, but the things which he suffered. The things which he suffered. The main focus of verse 8 and chapter 5 is on suffering. That is what binds the saving power of Jesus to go to the cross. Completing this thought about suffering, we must also see that learning needs to be connected with the phrase being made perfect in 5.9. So as you look at the text, connect learning to being made perfect in chapter 5 verse 9. Formally, the terms learning and perfect go together, for only he who learns becomes perfect. But to put learning into action, put learning into action, it is suffering not learning, which carries the Son to the goal appointed by His Father. Just as Hebrews 2.10 says, listen carefully to Hebrews 2.10, for it was fitting that He, for whom all things exist in bringing many sons to glory, should make the founder of their salvation, here comes the phrase, perfect through suffering. Perfect through suffering. Let's bring this together. As the knower, the learner of the word of God, it is that word that brings action, the scriptures that bring action into Christ's life here on earth so that in his suffering he is exalted to his office a priest after the order of Melchizedek 5.10. He wins the right to make final atonement And to offer help by virtue of his own victory and perseverance. After all, Christ endured perfectly the trials and temptations. Where Israel could not. Where the disciples could not. Where you cannot. Are your eyes... Let me ask you, are your eyes fixed on Jesus this morning? Is he our victor, especially through his death and resurrection, as he is eternally installed into his high. Priestly office. The Father has qualified Jesus, his Son, to come before him in priestly action. He has done so by suffering, in which Jesus confirmed his obedience as the only high priest eternally qualified for the office. Christ has once and for all qualified those for whom he acts, that's you, to come directly before his Father into the heavenly sanctuary as ones whose sins are spotless. He who suffered the misery of humanity has passed through the heavens as the Levitical high priest passed from the holy place into the holy of holies. Our hope, your hope, has been firmly anchored beyond the veil, and even beyond the heavens to the very throne of God the Father. At this present moment in your life, the presence of God is an accessible hope, an eschatological realized hope by virtue virtue of the work and office of Jesus Christ. The true and final fulfillment. Of the Levitical priesthood. Who has come. Who has come. But yet. Is a priest. After the order of Melchizedek. Because. He has no beginning. And no end. For your high priest has accomplished more more than aaron more than moses more than any high priest accomplished under the old testament economy he has entered into eternal rest so that he can bring his people into that same eternal rest his unique perfect sacrifice has opened the sanctuary of heavenly glory to those who confess and obey in faith christ for the writer of hebrews the suffering christ and the attainment of his high priestly office are intricately connected. They cannot be separated, for it is through the Lord's suffering and his high priestly office that we, each of us, draw near with boldness to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and grace to help us in every single time of need. Hopefully you heard that. Let me repeat it. For the writer of Hebrews, the suffering Christ and the attainment of his high priestly office are intricately connected you cannot separate the suffering Christ from his office as high priest. For it is through the Lord's suffering in his high priestly office that each of us, each of you, draw near with boldness to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and grace to help us each one of us, in every time of need. Please, please listen to what I'm about to say to you this morning, that it resonate in your heart and soul. Are you seeing the movement here? Are you seeing the movement here? Do you know it in your own life? It is in Christ's suffering as your exalted high priest that Christ comes to each of us as a suffering people in Christ. That's who we are. He is always i want to underline that for you this evening he is always exalting each of you into the presence the presence of his heavenly father the very presence of god in heaven are you seeing that you are being brought by your sovereign intercessor into the exalted place in heaven every moment every minute of your believing and saved Christian life it's happening right now who's Jesus to you just a friend that you say I love Do you see what Jesus is doing? He's taking you right now, all the time, right now where you are. He's constantly taking you to the throne of God in heaven. That's what he's doing. You are literally being taken in this pilgrim life into the glory of God during every second of your earthly journey. We must not set our minds, we must not set our lives on the earthly life and things. Christ as your exalted high priest who suffered on earth is bringing you, bringing you as a suffering priest, picking up on Peter's language, priesthood of all is bringing you right now in terms of your journey here as a suffering priest in this world. He's bringing you constantly, all the time, Into the presence of his Father. Do you see this? Do you hear this? Will you place this into your heart so that the temporal things of the world will be extracted out of dominating your existence? Because your life is hid with Christ in God. Do you like to post verses on your refrigerator or in your room to remember? Could I encourage you to take that passage from Colossians 3.3 and put it on your refrigerator or in your room. That's where your life is. That's what Christ as your high priest is always doing. In Christ, has not your life appeared before our Father in heaven without blemish because of our suffering high priest? Let us think. Let us focus right now upon what Christ is doing For each of us. His church. Continually. For each of us. Each second. Of the day. Each second. Of your life. Do you know. That you are constantly. Entering. His rest his salvation, his glory, all the day long. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, where would we be without the constant and continual priestly ministry of Christ to us. Give us the eyes to see what the author is saying, that we do indeed each moment of the day draw near unto the throne of God, all because of what Christ is doing for us as our intercessor, praying for us, lifting us into the glorious presence of the Heavenly Father. Again, As hard as it is for us, even in this pilgrim journey, again, we are hearing your word to us. Death, where is your sting? Bless us in the glorious work of Jesus. In his name we pray, amen.